Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Before I begin this week, I want to thank my new Patreon sponsors, Bill and Lachlan, Chris, Joan and Angelina. Thank you so much for your kindness. I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Well, Christmas is here and it's a time of giving, of kindness. Pilgrims love to give and to be kind. So I'm really excited today to bring you a story of two people who are full of giving and kindness this week of Christmas. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a weekly discussion about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. The most popular is what's called the Camino Frances in Spain, but there are Caminos winding through Germany, France, the Netherlands, Italy, Portugal, just about everywhere in Western Europe. So what exactly is the Camino? Well, it's a pilgrimage. That's a good place to start. It's an ancient trail following the footsteps of millions of pilgrims, perhaps going right back to pagan days when pilgrims walked to what was then the end of the earth. The west coast of Spain and Portugal was believed to be the end of the world, so pagans walked and pilgrims walked to see the end of what they thought was the edge of their existence. These days, pilgrims walk the Camino in the footsteps of St. James, one of Jesus Christ's apostles. James travelled to Spain after Christ died to spread his teachings. He was later martyred for his beliefs, and then his body was taken back to Spain where he was buried beneath a field of stars. And his remains were unearthed almost 900 years later. The Spanish built a cathedral to house his bones. Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. So that's the place pilgrims walk to, young and old, fit and unfit, you name it. You see all types on the Camino, all religions, all colours, and everyone is welcome. And the great thing about walking the Camino and becoming a pilgrim is you live a simple life. You carry a pack on your back with a change of clothes, some toiletries, maybe a phone charger or two, a notebook, some water, and off you go. Go exploring, go discovering, go live. One of the key discoveries of pilgrimage is the chance to disconnect from your usual day-to-day life. There's a freedom you experience on the Camino which is very rare in our daily grind. That's the blessing of St. James right there. Freedom. Freedom to explore. Freedom to discover. Freedom to live. And I had the most incredible stroke of good fortune by mistake this week. Gas and electricity prices are skyrocketing in Australia. I'm executive producer of a news podcast in my day job, and I was writing to someone about solar power. Instead, my computer corrected my spelling to read soul power, and I didn't notice it until later in the day when I read it back, and I thought, whoa, hang on, some yellow arrows here, Dan. Soul power. So I googled soul power. The first thing that came up was a quote from a book called Soul Cure, How to Heal Your Pain and Discover Your Purpose by Gregory Dickow, the lead pastor of the Life Changes Church in Illinois in the United States. Here's the quote. What about this? Soul power ripples outward in all directions, affecting everything. Physical health, emotional well-being, relationships, families, work, and destiny. And that's freedom. And you're powered by soul power on the Camino. Soul power, I love it. I mentioned earlier my guests this week are kind and giving, and I had yet another incredible stroke of good fortune last month when I met David Duncan and Colleen O'Toole on my short visit to Canada. 
David and Colleen invited my son Lewis and I into their home for a few nights while we experienced the beautiful city of Hamilton, Ontario. And I've been really looking forward to interviewing them since the moment we met. They're on the line. Colleen and David, welcome to you pilgrims. Hi, Dan. Nice to be here with you. Nice to hear your voice again, Dan. Yeah. Colleen, I'll start with you. Tell us about your Camino or perhaps your Caminos. David and I walked together this past spring. We, uh, it was um, in inspired, I guess, by my mother's passing. We had decided to walk anyway because uh, you know it was the first trip after the pandemic. So when my mom died in February, uh, sometime after that in March, I, I, I think we decided, well, if we're going anyway, we can we can head out in the in the spring and be there for Mother's Day in the mountains. So which was so we sort of built it around that and it was a lovely trip it was very different than my first one the first one i went to saint francis again and uh, that was in 2019 i walked on my own so um, as you know you were there for our talk so we we had two very different caminos because one of them was solo and one was together mm. and that was nancy's camino you called it didn't you for your mom yeah, so I, uh, I, I took a, a, a bit of something of hers with me. Uh, I sort of thought of it as a, a redo for um, her wake and funeral. I gave her a, a very long wake across Spain mm -hmm. with the funeral in Mushia. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was for her. So, and we did, uh, we had a Compostela done in her name. Yeah, it was really, it was lovely. I felt like actually for, for that whole trip, actually, I felt like I was walking with her if that makes any sense. Yeah. I could feel her presence with me the whole time, in some, some spots more than others, and people talk about thin places, um, and we seem to be wandering into all kinds of those, including one spot when a fern seemed to be waving at us. So lovely, lovely moments. And then in Mushia, when we said a final goodbye, it completely shifted, and I felt like she had gone. And was uh, there was some sense of freedom and lightness. I'm not sure what happened there, but it, it was lovely. So it was Nancy's Camino, that's true. I wonder, Colleen, whether it was you letting her go. I think that's possible. But I feel like uh, I feel like there was a bit of that. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have an answer for you because I do think it was a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, to you, what about you and your Caminos? Tell us about your journeys. So I did my first one in 2015. It was the Francaise. I was completely taken in by the Camino. Uh, I did a second one in 2019 on the Camino del Norte. And then this third one with Colleen in the spring. Uh, in between the first and the second, I'd also gotten myself trained as a hospitalero. And I volunteered in between those years on the Camino Aragonese in a beautiful little Donativo at a little pueblo called Arez. And so this was my fourth Camino experience in Spain and all entirely different, all, um, well, the first one was unexpected when it would happen, but it was one of those ideas that had lodged in my, in my brain decades earlier. I'd, I'd read about the Camino in a book and I, I think I figured out what book it is, but anyway, I, I had parked that idea for decades and then life shifted and uh, I realized it was it was time to go and that idea quickly came to mind and off I went. So that was a 
that was a, a Camino for somebody uh, changing a, a time of life. The second one was more just a, a return to to a place that I, I loved. I love Spain. And I had imagined that the Camino del Norte and the Primitivo would be my next Camino. Mm. And I was half right. And then, of course, uh, after the pandemic and after Colleen and I had become a, a pair <laughs> through the pandemic, uh, we, as Colleen said, decided absolutely our first trip is going to be the Camino. And, and why not go to the Camino Frances, which had been the place where we had, as, as individuals, had some wonderful healing experiences. And now, why not walk? Initially, our thought was initially walk with, uh, with gratitude for, for all the blessings of, of, of our lives and, and the fact that we were a new couple together. And of course, as, as Colleen just said, it became a memorial for her mom. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it ended up being a memorial um, for, for my granddaughter as well. So, so these were all completely different different experiences different reasons for going and i'm just, just uh i just we're already <laughs> we're already planning the next one fantastic <laughs> it's so great to be talking to colleen and david and i can picture exactly where they are in their beautiful home in downtown hamilton ontario and that noise you heard in the background during david's answer was libby the dog having a drink out of the bowl just beside the kitchen bench that's so lovely she's so beautiful 14 is am i right colleen is she 14 13 she'll be 13 in january wow such a beautiful, beautiful dog. My gosh, there's an old soul right there. I love it. And that's the perfect segue. I was going to talk to you guys about souls. Why do you think, Colleen, the Camino is a great place to to go to resonate and connect with your soul? And, and, and why did you choose the Camino as a way to pay tribute to your mother and potentially to, to, to treasure her soul on, on that journey? Why is it the Camino? draws our souls mm, well um so the i've only walked the francais for me particularly uh so when i when i walked in 2019 i really had no idea what i was doing where i was going i won't tell you all the embarrassing things about not knowing what was in santiago but i was i was really going to heal myself for, uh, you know a little bit about there's a, a history of trauma for me and so I was, I was really going for that reason, but I, I didn't realize the depth of what happens there. And as I, you asked us in Toronto um, what, the, what the Camino you know, was, and I would say, you know, if you had to describe it, and I think I said to you, uh, I describe it as a river of love. And I, it seemed to me that people are, I don't know, there's something about, there seems to be an energy that's flowing through the Camino I don't know if it's drawing or calling particular people there to it to walk. People talk about feeling being feeling called to walk. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how it happens or why it happens. But while I was there, I had several different moments, one in the Pyrenees, uh, once on the Masada, and another just outside of just outside of the last last hundred um, kilometers. And I felt like I felt like there was something, some unseen force that was just, it was love. I mean, there's no other word for it. And yet on the Masada in particular, I remember walking by myself, walking, there's nothing to look at, and uh, just the sound of your steps. And I, I felt like I was meeting myself on the Masada, if that makes any, yeah. any sense. 
And those kinds of things happened so frequently that I just, I felt like for her, for my mom, uh, you know, for her to be resting someplace, if I could somehow bring her so she would be resting in a river of love, that's that's what I wanted to do for her. You know, mm. there was a, a bit of a, a redo of the, um, she was she was 90 and she was older and some things had happened that I'd wished had gone a different way for her. And there was some some real difficulty at the end. And it was it was a way that I could give her like a, a love bath sort of thing. Mm. So. Wow, mm. that's a fantastic answer. The river of love. What a lovely concept and, and a great comfort for you to think that your mother mm. is there in a river of love. Fantastic. So. We we spent some time together last month, and you're such a good fit, you two. I remember sitting opposite you in the Irish bar in Corktown, and I was thinking, yeah, there's some music playing here, these two. So, David, how, how did you two meet? Tell us that story. So we were acquaintances because of our affiliation with the Toronto chapter of the Canadian Company of Pilgrims. And when I had completed my first Camino in 2015, I immediately got involved with the Canadian Company of Pilgrims, the CCOP, that very next year. I actually didn't know anything about them before I set out the first time. I wish I had because they've got tons of great information that help people get ready for the Camino and learn more about it. But I, I, I ended up going on my own and discovering them afterward and became involved. And I had um, decided to, I, did, I told you, I, I, I got trained as a hospitalero, then I then I did another Camino, and then I decided, okay, well, I'm, I'm all in, so I'm going to join the board of the CCOP. And as a result of joining the board, and because of a little bit of an accident of, of, of the history within the Toronto chapter, I ended up being what I'm still calling myself four years later, the interim chapter coordinator for Toronto. And what that meant was that I came in contact with a lot of different people preparing for the Camino, and Colleen was one of them. So I was always organizing, you know, pub nights and information nights, and and um, John Briarly was was came through town, so we helped him uh, get a talk in to to the to the local community. So, long story short, we kept bumping into each other at walks and talks and things of that nature, and and then um, I think what happened was she disappeared off to the United States. She was she was going back to the states, and. Uh, at some point, she was coming back through through Toronto uh, in the new year, and this was, I guess, was this uh, before, right, just before the pandemic? Mm -hmm. I suppose it was, yeah. And so um, we we thought, oh yeah, well, you know, grab a pint, say hi, type of thing, and because by then I'd I'd helped her with some 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 paperwork that she needed when she arrived in Santiago after her first trip. So we kind of knew each other a little bit and by then I knew she was a, a story writer and I was a storyteller so I I was in the midst of telling a lot of uh, uh, true stories in, in various live story uh, true story locations and and I sought her help to hone one of my own stories yeah. so we chatted a little bit then and then what happened is when the pandemic locked everybody down we were all isolated from our, our families both of us and um, everybody it seems we knew we chatted a bit and started to talk, and bit by bit, we got to know each other quite a lot better. And the long story short is that we ended up discovering that we had become very fond of each other and became a couple. So when she finally returned to Canada for good, we were in touch more and started to uh, to get to know each other 
even more. So, so that's how that's how it came about. It was it was it was kind of a strange way to meet and come to know somebody uh, these days because it was very old school. It was just chatting over the phone. No, yeah. not video. No, no. It was almost. I mean, it was one step past you know pen pals kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's uh, great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. No, there's a real connection there. It's 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 wonderful to be in your presence, to be honest, because there is a great deal of affection there. It's lovely. Mm. It shines out of both of you. So, Colleen, you're from Boston. Bostonites are renowned <laughs> for being tough and resilient, right? Are you surprised by the impact the Camino has had on you? Absolutely. I I don't know what I was expecting. The first time I I went, I was just kind of going like a person with their hair on fire, you know, looking for uh, some water to throw on it. But um, <laughs> I was I was happy for anything, but I was really absolutely blown away by the depth of uh, connection I felt there. I think the, the depth of connection is really interesting because you can be very surprised by it. The three of us have talked about it. You know, how interesting it is that you meet someone and next thing you know, in no time at all, they're telling you their deepest, darkest secrets and you're offering advice to these people you don't even know, really, that you've only just met. It's a big, big, big part of being on the Camino. So, David, you're the quintessential Canadian. You rock climb, you go hiking in the wilderness. Were you surprised how the Camino resonated with you? No, and I don't, I don't know exactly why, but I read about the Camino as i said decades before i knew that it was an ancient pilgrimage that immediately would have captivated my attention and i just knew that there was something about a place and that's pretty much all i knew mm -hmm. i didn't really too, know too much more about about the story of st james or or any of that but i i had enough enough intuition to know that something amazing would happen and i i deliberately didn't prepare too much i didn't talk to too many people i got the basics like you know how many pairs of socks to bring type of thing but i i just figured I'm, I'm going to book a, a flight, I'm going to arrive here on this date, I'm going to leave from here on this date, and something amazing is going to happen in between. So I I fully expected something to happen. I wasn't trying to anticipate what it might be. I, I've always started these trips, especially with the Camino, with that open mindset. And, you know, if people ask, what advice do you give to people about who are com contemplating going on the Camino, that's always the same thing. It's like go with an open mind and don't 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 think about it too much. Other than that, I, I couldn't tell you that there was something I, I, I imagined, but I certainly expected something amazing would happen because it's just I just felt that it was probably going to be the environment where if it was going to happen, that's that's where it would be. Colleen, there's a brass Camino shell in the path leading to your home. It reminds you of your pilgrimage. And I've said here often, it's not easy to take the Camino home with you. So how does the, the, the Camino resonate in you, in your day-to-day -day life? Walking the Camino, being on the Camino, being part of it, has changed me in a way that I see differently. So I see with different eyes, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think I, you know how when we walk on the Camino and we take time and we, we really see people, we see each other and we hear each other. Mm. And we might not behave quite that way all the time when we come home. I remember the first time, the first my first Camino, I came back and I 
I would be interacting with strangers like I did on the Camino, and they were alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have adjusted that probably a bit. But even though you might not interact in the same way, you might not say, would you like part of my apple to someone you meet on the street, you're still, you're still seeing them and you're, you're, you're really looking. I, uh, for me, I think I'm seeing in a different way. I'm looking in a different way. I'm listening in a different way. So that, I guess that's how I brought it home. Yeah, and I think also the, the, one of the things that I find is I'm a lot more patient. Is that fair enough mm -hmm. too? I think I've been cursed with tolerance for quite a long time. <laughs> so I'm already fairly patient. So, I, but I, you may be, yeah. Maybe if you were struggling with patience beforehand, you might be more patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, to you, uh, you mentioned at the top of the interview about being a hospitalero in a town called Arez. Is that right? Yeah, it's A-R-R-E-S, Arez. Arez. Tell us about that experience. You know, uh, I I said to Tom Friesen, who's our our guru of training, and he does it with some other great folks as well. Um, uh, Darlene McKee is one of them. Mary Virtue, Ingrid Folgers have all helped with that training. But um, he he's sort of the key organizer, and he's he's trained a lot of folks. And when I was on my first my first Camino, I I got to a little Donativo in a little place called Zabaldica. And you trudge up this hill after a long day, and you have to trudge up the hill because that's the original um, Camino, I, I understand. And the townsfolk redirected the, the modern Camino down to their town for, uh, you know, the usual economic reasons. But if you trudge up to that little, up that hill, you'll find a delightful little Donativo where there's a communal meal. And, and, and a man greeted me with what I, I've said countless times. That was the warmest welcome I've received from anyone anywhere. And he had a blue bandana on his neck, and it had a Canadian flag, but he spoke with a very distinct Southwest American accent. So I asked him, what's that all about? And he said, oh, we'd be trained by the Canadian Company of Pilgrims to do this volunteer job, and he was doing it with his wife. So I, I, was, I was so taken by the experience that I had with them and helping in the kitchen and we're all with different languages, but we're all these little sous chefs helping each, helping him do his work and get get the, the meal prepared for all of us. So that sort of set the table literally and figuratively for me to become that same person at another place. And I was, I, I just said to the organizers that place you and, and, and try to fill all the different slots, I'd love to go to a place that is a donativo that offers a communal meal to the pilgrims and for what it's worth, I speak French. So I got placed in Arez because it's just on the other side of the French-Spanish border. So you pick up a lot of French-speaking pilgrims along the southernmost route in France. And they're coming over the Pyrenees uh, through the Somport Pass. And about two days later, they, they arrive in this, this little rocky outcropping in the middle of nowhere when i first found out i was getting assigned there i was i, I called up tom i said tom wh where is this place I'm like <laughs> how do you groceries like i don't this there's like 20 buildings on in this whole place like how's this gonna work and it was funny because normally i wouldn't get so so um agitated but i think it's fair to say i was i was i was agitated maybe a bit strong but i was certainly concerned i couldn't figure out how this was all gonna work but at the in the end it was the most uh, lovely experience I had. I was paired with two different 
Spanish-speaking veterans of that, that role. They taught me the ropes. They were so different. They had two different styles, but I, I was with one for five days and the other for the balance of the two weeks. And I had such a wonderful time creating a beautiful space and a beautiful experience for everybody that walked through our doors. That includes a horse that came in one day and stuck his head in the window. <laughs> so I gave him an apple. He was, a, I, I, th I think, a frequent flyer to this particular albergue. It was a wonderful experience. And, and what was interesting, in contrast to walking and talking with people over several days, you only had eight waking hours, roughly, with, with pilgrims. If we spent the morning cleaning and then we maybe had an hour, maybe two to ourselves, people started shuffling into that, that albergue around one or two. Mm. So, of course, we have to have them lights out by 10, which, in all honesty, never really happened because we were, we were bad hospitaleros and, and let people stay up, up the road at the little, the little bar a little longer, as, as long as they promised to come in quietly for those who were still you know needing their sleep so we we might have pushed the eight hour boundary a little bit but but what was so striking to me is that a number of them we connected with in such a deep way just like you said a second ago like you're only with them a short time and then we were still talking to each other two years later yeah yeah i i thought it was fantastic i would love to go back there we're both exploring doing the, that job as a, as a pair because Colleen's just recently done the training. And so we're looking forward to being um, a pair of hospitaleros from Canada somewhere. And uh, who knows, maybe Arez is one of the places, but, but um, we'd need a car. So uh, that might not be the most logical spot for us. But uh, that, that's, that's what I would say about being a hospitalero. It's so fulfilling and being able to give back knowing exactly what kind of a welcome we we needed on those difficult days yeah it, it very very special so the aragonese is that like the you kind of go from the coast or something and come in like around the underneath of pamplona and into puente lorraine or something like that is that that walk yeah it's a joiner route so it's it's like an l-shaped route that goes up to puente lorena if you look at the map and look at toulouse and just go straight west um till you right. hit the pyrenees and then and then cut straight south and then hang a right at the little city of Hakka, which is where we did our banking and much of our groceries. Then it's a it's a it's about a twenty five or so kilometer walk from Hakka. When I was doing it, I, I went I, I took a bus, made my way to Hakka, stayed overnight, and then I walked into the the Alberghe myself so I would have a sense of what the day's walk would be for all the people I'd be seeing for the next two weeks. And then I got rapid fire instructions in Spanish on how to work the laundry and how to spray for chinches and all that. Wondered where my partner was until the next morning. So uh, I was still scratching my head wondering how this whole thing was going to work. But uh, <laughs> <worked> beautiful. <laughs> how great. So, Colleen, David mentioned earlier the Camino uh, Company of Pilgrims, or the Canadian Company of Pilgrims, rather, particularly the Toronto chapter. How vibrant is that community and, and has it helped you guys settle in Hamilton because you haven't been there that long? Oh, it's absolutely, that's absolutely vibrant. Um, and, and we're just uh, connecting with the Hamilton chapter now as well. So we've only, we've only uh, had a few meetings together with them, but uh, also a lovely bunch of people. The Toronto chapter was really helpful in me just um, getting the confidence that I could walk on my own the first time, that I'm, you know, there are, there's always somebody to help, you know, you don't have to be so worried about what comes next. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful community. And um, we're hoping to 
as we've just moved into Hamilton, I'm, I'm familiar with the community. I used to do um, home care therapy here for many years, so I'm not really unfamiliar with, with Hamilton. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're hoping to we're hoping to be a little more active with the Hamilton group, and there's lovely green spaces to walk here, and we're hoping to do some pub nights, of course, at the Corktown would be <laughs> lovely. Um, uh, so yeah, so we're we're hoping to do a little more of that now that we're settling in. Um, Colleen just mentioned the Corktown there. That's where I went. Well, where David and, and Colleen took my son Lewis and I, and we went down to the Irish night, the Irish music night was just such a fantastic night. Such a great spirit in that room. The music was just fantastic. Everybody was so lovely. It was like we'd just walked into a pub where we had old friends the moment we walked in. It was fabulous, fabulous. And music seems to be such a big part of your lives. Colleen, was that a, a light that you noticed in David when you two met? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think, uh, no, we didn't really connect in any way musical. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so. I didn't know that. I I know now. I yeah. I've heard the pipes, and uh, I don't think there's any drums. But uh, he <laughs> he does play he does play the pipes. So uh, we might we might bring that to the Corktown at at some point. So yeah, and it was music that actually brought me to the Camino, uh, as I think I mentioned, because uh, Stephen, who who you met at the Corktown, yes, um, fiddler there is also a, is a Hamilton. Um, Hamilton member and has done many Caminos. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for some years, and it was it was him mentioning and bringing an Oliver Shore CD uh, to a friend of mine's garden party, and I heard Oliver Shore's. Are you, are you familiar with that? The yeah, um, yeah, the Canadian violinist. Yeah, yeah, who walked the walked the Camino and and made recordings, and I I fell in love with the music. So I actually came to the Camino through music, and then found David through the Camino. So I guess they're connected, but not directly. <laughs> so. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think it was my third podcast, and you're now, I think, episode 307 or something, that I interviewed mm. Laurie Brown, who was a, uh, a presenter on the CBC. And it was mm. Laurie had walked the Camino Inglaise when I interviewed her. I think, yeah, my third mm. podcast that I did. And she mentioned Oliver in that interview. Mm. And so I've known about him for years. And uh, those of you who don't um, know, he's no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago. But he took his violin and recording equipment on the Camino and would walk into a church or a cathedral somewhere and just start to play. And the album is actually called Camino, and it's the most extravagant, extraordinary, beautiful music. It's so gorgeous. It's haunting. something isn't it i'm not surprised that when you heard that at a garden party it may have led you to be on the camino and what a resounding call it would have been so mm -hmm. david let me ask you where to now for you guys is the camino you mentioned you might get back there you might maybe even end up as working as a hospitalera hospitalero as a couple what would you like the camino to provide for you over the next 5 10 15 20 years i wouldn't go in with an expectation i'm still not prepared to go in with any kind of expectation i i stick with my original my original thought is that um 
you know, something inevitably happens that's, that's, that's special. It's different every single time. I do know, though, that, that it's, it's a really healthy place for me. Mm. I think, you know, if there are places where there are, you know, there's a special energy flowing, it's absolutely one of them. I do think, though, the, you know, you can, you can find that in, you know, even back here in the, in the regular, you know, the default world, as, as, as some call it. You know, it, but it's just harder to tap in sometimes to that good energy because there's so much noise and distraction and aggro sometimes that, that gets in the way. But the Camino just is such a lovely space for stripping away the clutter in life and focusing on the most important things. And so I would, if I were to look to the Camino for anything, it's, it's really for a, a, a recharge, a rejuvenation. Uh, a reminder. My first Camino, when I came back, I had five people that I wanted to talk to about the experience, and one of them was a, a Métis elder. And so I said to him what had happened on my first Camino, and I said, I reconnected with my authentic self. And he said, no, that's not what happened. I said, no. He said, no, you, you re-embraced it. And so absolutely for sure, the Camino reminds me what David's all about, what are the best parts. Not that I need the Camino to, to figure that out, but it's just, it's all, that's always something that, that it gives for sure. And it, re, it absolutely rejuvenates me. I said on my second Camino in the Del Norte to a, a dear friend, Robin, I said to her uh, on that Camino, I, I feel like, like this is where I'm doing my, my, my best work. Because I, I was talking to her about how different the Camino had been walking with you know, with more people and and connecting, you know, and and helping people more because I was, you know, a, a, a slightly more experienced pilgrim and giving, you know, help along the way, which is something I, I you know, I, I enjoyed doing when when asked. I think maybe that's that's something I notice on the Camino. It's it feels like I'm giving more of myself and and then learning an awful lot about about others that that kind of makes me, you know, helps me with with a broader perspective of what you know life life is all about when you talk to so many different people yeah as a bit of a jump that would be some of the thoughts that i have about what it what it gives to me fantastic fantastic colleen could you see yourselves one day living on the camino oh that's a lovely question Dan. um yes that's my quick answer but so uh we talked about this actually I could see being there for a big chunk of the year every year. I don't know that I'd ever not come back to Canada. I mean, as you said, I'm from Boston originally, and I had always thought that I would split my time between Canada and Cape Cod, which is near Boston, which I love. But now I think if I'm splitting my time, I'd probably split it between here and the Camino. Uh, have not figured out how to do that yet, hmm. but um, still hopeful and mm -hmm. still looking. Well, I know for sure that any albergue or, or any open home that Colleen and David are steering would be a ship I'd love to sail on. It would be absolutely fantastic. So which one of you is going to tell us a Camino story? Colleen's looking at me, and I'm, I'm looking at her, but I, I think I'll, mm -hmm. I'll go. Okay, so no conversation about this past Camino would be complete without talking about an extraordinary Camino family that that formed on the first night in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. 
And I've been now, that's so what's my, my fourth Camino experience three times as a walker. And I've, I'm you know well acquainted with this phenomenon of Camino families. And I think whenever I've heard about them, there's smallish numbers of, of people, people that, that, you know, after a little while, you know, get together, they, they walk a few kilometers, then they, they like each other, they walk a few days, perhaps, sometimes they walk the rest of the Camino. Uh, it just depends on, on a variety of factors, but they're never huge, huge groups. They're usually, you know, somewhere between maybe four people, maybe there's six, but right. I, I don't think I've ever heard of anything much more than that. We ended up with a group that was, the WhatsApp group was about 22 people. It was huge, what? and yeah, it was massive, and it got formed initially on the very first night in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, while a core of us were staying at Bellari, which is right across the street from the Pilgrim office, and it's run by a delightful man named Joseph, who was instrumental in helping make sure that uh, we were able to get into the mountains on Mother's Day, as, as uh, Colleen had hoped, but one of the things that I really took note of when I was watching Joseph talk to all of us was he was he was essentially orienting everybody regardless of how many times they've been on the Camino some many had never been he was orienting them to the heart and the soul of the Camino what's the spirit of the Camino so the choice about packs and equipment was behind everybody people had done whatever training that they've been able to do but this is a man who at the very beginning of the Camino is is really giving people a, an insight into uh, something much much more precious much more critical and so with that start uh, a core of us um, reassembled the next night in Orison and and Dan you probably know uh, at Orison, there's a bit of a tradition where people will be asked to stand up, pr provide a short introduction, and 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 they're they're asked to explain why they're why they're going on the Camino. So that happened. So we we picked up a few more people that night, and before you know it, we've got uh, at least a dozen of us walking quite regularly uh, throughout the day for days and days till by the time we got to Pamplona, which is often a point where where an initial group might disband because of the the difference in the weight the rate of, yeah. of walking we had this huge mob of us yeah. having these great uh a great time in pamplona uh having dinner together and and that just became the story of our of our camino this 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 great big group was kind of like a stretched out slinky that would would stretch out a couple or two or three or four would be up at the front of the uh, the slinky and then there was the slower ones coming in the back but we'd always be making sure that we we were in touch with each other through this whatsapp group to say okay well where where are we going to reconvene and, and we were we were always finding each other in squares and restaurants and we were just always so happy to see each other we ended up despite how big it was um, many of us were able to walk with each of, of the others as individuals and have long conversations with them didn't always work out that way but it, it, it did a fair bit and we we started to get to know each other so well that you know sometimes I remember there was one time Colleen when you know we were we were having a, a difficult day you you'd gotten sick mm. and um, and I was really very worried about you and we 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 came across our friends Hilly and Alex from the group mm. and you know it was all I could do to try and figure out how are we going to find you a, you know a nice um, place to stay and whatnot 
And, and, you know, once I got that organized, you know, I just was a puddle after that. Cause I was just frankly, so worried I'd gotten dealt with all the logistics and everything, but you know, here are people that we've only known a few days, but we've, we've really started to get to know them and they're part of this, this wonderful family. And they kind of scooped me up and, and made sure, you know, I, I had a hug and, and now that we knew Colleen was going to be okay, um, you know, these were the kinds of things that were happening all the time. There was a genuine affection growing amongst all of us. And, and, and so we ended up walking into Santiago all together, arm in arm, singing through that archway. Wow. Um, and this despite the fact that the slinky had strung out at, at, at quite, uh, quite a bit at different times. But we did find that we were able to regroup in places like Leon and um, um, you know uh, some of the Astorg, I think we bumped into some people, and they were never, never very far away. And so even today, so we're we're back what six months now. The the WhatsApp group is still churning away. Um, we're in touch with each other all the time. We're hearing about each other's lives back home and what everybody's up to. And guess what? We we just started up a new WhatsApp group for the for a core of us that uh, want to do the next the planning for the next Camino already. Wow. Um, Two of them decided they wanted to do the Portuguese, and then one said to the other, "Well, what about the rest of the family? Should we throw it open to them?" And and the answer is, "Well, hell yeah!" And before you know it, we've got like at least another half a dozen of us from the group already starting to plan the Portuguese. So, so I think that's extraordinary. It's it's just they've become part of our part of our lives, and they're um, they're such fun folks. And I think we might do a little bit of a road trip and see if a couple of them down in the sunny south and uh maybe do do some stuff over in spain or portugal next year fantastic how great is that 22 people that's amazing it is such a blessing to meet those people from around the world to have the opportunity to really drill down and get to know them and and share a piece of their life and their journey and their pilgrimage gosh it's just such a blessing to speak with both of you. I can't tell you. It was such a blessing to be invited to stay with you in Hamilton. It was just a delight. And I take this opportunity again to thank you for your kindness. And I know my son Lewis looks back on those few days and, and weeks with such fondness and great memories. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me today. And I look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Colleen and David, buen camino. Buen Camino, Dan. Buen Camino, Dan. My guests this week were Colleen O'Toole and David Duncan from Hamilton, Ontario in Canada, my hosts for my stay there in November 2022. It was simply beautiful. You can find the Canadian Company of Pilgrims via Google and the Toronto's chapter contacts are on the company's website, as are the Hamilton chapter's contacts as well. Thanks for your company this week and every week. And I just want to take this opportunity to wish you all a very Merry Christmas from me and my family to you and your loved ones. And I hope 2023 is full of love and life and laughter and walking. <laughs> what about this week's quote from a book called Soul Cure, How to Heal Your Pain and Discover Your Purpose by Gregory Dickow, the lead pastor of the Life Changes Church in Illinois in the United States. Soul power ripples outward in all directions, affecting everything. Physical health, emotional well-being, relationships, families, work, and destiny. <laughs> Before we finish for another week, a big shout-out to thank my new Patreon sponsors, Bill and Lachlan, Chris, Joan, and Angelina. Thank you so much for your kindness. I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Until next week, 
Undead Mars, Buen Camino.